too, really. It's just maybe little different nuances about it. You only have to study history in any archive news event, and you, you can see that there's always been strife and stuff happening. And you only have to read the Bible, in fact, to know that it's true. But what the Bible does differently from the news media and social media is that the Bible brings hope into our lives. Isn't that right? Which very rarely the news or social media does to us. And the Bible also gives us keys and ways through the problems that we face. And one of those keys I want to focus on this morning is perseverance. Because perseverance, I think, is needed today in great dimensions in our lives. Perseverance is that quality of human spirit that does not surrender to circumstances. It's that persistence, it's that endurance, it's that tenacity, it's that thing in us that sort of causes us to rise up and keep going when things get tough and not give up. But sadly, I reckon there are many times in my life, and I wonder in yours too, whether we haven't utilized that perseverance. Who loves the wonderful stories of faith, the men and women of faith in the Bible are fantastic. Men and women who overcame huge difficulties and troubles in their lives, and they obviously exercised their faith, otherwise they wouldn't be called men and women of faith. I think that's quite uh, you know, logical, isn't it? But they also used, I believe, this quality of perseverance, because I believe that f- faith and perseverance go hand in hand in our lives. It's a common theme of the Bible. Here's a great example for us. In James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm sorry, what? 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 You know, don't you think what? Consider it pure joy when you face troubles and difficulties in your life. What is James even thinking here? Doesn't he know what the 21st century was going to be like? How many stresses we were going to have? He must have had an easy life, right? He must have to write something like that. Oh, yeah, well, nah, really. Um, I mean, at the time he wrote this, the church was scattered and being persecuted, and we know that James himself eventually was uh, martyred for his faith, so actually maybe he knows what he's talking about, right? So please stop interrupting me about this. I'm going to start again. And um, it's usually my... No, it's not. It's usually... My grandkids that interrupt me, but I'm not in here today, so that's okay. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Here's our word again. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Don't you find it interesting, right, at the end of this passage, James sort of feels like he's changing the topic and he's talking about wisdom, you know. He says, if we're lacking wisdom, then ask God for it. Now, that's great advice, isn't it, in every situation. So thanks, thank you, James, for that. But if we take this verse in context, there's a specific focus for the advice that we tend to overlook and we take it out of context sometimes, and here it is, when we're facing trials in life, he's saying, when our faith is being tested, this is what James is telling us, then we really need wisdom to make wise decisions to do the right thing. Because when we're under pressure and we're finding it hard to cope and we're fed up with everything and we want to give up, we can tend to make 
quick, rash decisions, and they're often very bad ones. I'm sure you know somebody who's done that sometime that you read about, but it won't be anyone on here, you know. You know, the easiest way out is hardly ever the best. And to be really honest with you, when we make quick, unwise decisions and they turn out to be the wrong ones, then we're no longer just dealing with trials and tests of our faith, we're dealing with the subsequent consequences of our stupid decision-making, right? And then we end up giving trials for everybody else all around us, right? I know no one knows anyone like this, so maybe this is the wrong advice from James for us today. But really sound advice, don't you think? He's saying when things get real tough, before you jump in and make a rash decision, Ask God for wisdom. And once you have the wisdom that God's given you in this situation, then face it with faith and with perseverance. And he's reminding us that trials and difficulties are a constant feature of the human existence. Well, thanks for that, Paul. And contrary to what we may want in life, we're never going to be free from them, are we? Nor are we going to have them all disappear with a quick little prayer. Well, thanks for your good preaching news and good news, Paul. You're welcome. That's okay. I've actually got some more bad news for you this morning. So here it is in verse 3. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, I want perseverance. The testing of my faith is going to produce perseverance. When I was at school, and before you ask me, there were schools back then, way back, it's, yep. When I was at school years ago, we, we would have tests in all sorts of subjects, you know, and, and for example, we'd, we'd take home a list of words to learn, spelling words, right, and, and, and you'd practice those spelling words, and, and then you have a test at school to see if you'd learnt the words, right? That, who remembers all this, you know? We learnt some really, really big words like elephant, really big word, and sometimes we learnt some really long words like giraffe, that's a long word, and other times we learnt Little word like ant. Now, you have to have me because, you know, I'm David's father and I know that, you know, the humor, I caught it from him. And uh, you've got to have granddad jokes sometimes, don't you, as well as dad jokes. And then we had maths tables to learn. So, you know, like five times one is five and five times two is ten and then five times three is, you know, whatever it is. It gets a bit harder after that. So you had to do all that sort of stuff and, and then, you'd t- then you'd have a maths test to see if you'd learned the stuff, Right? Now, once we had passed the spelling level or the maths level, we could then go to the next one. But if we didn't pass, we'd have to go home again and learn a few more and practice again, and we'd stay at the same level and persevere with more revision and more work and and then be tested again. Now, listen, I I, I don't know about you, but when a test was looming, you'd get a bit nervous, right? Because, man, there's a test tomorrow and I, I better have my... Stuff, but you know, it also was a good motivational thing in your life because sorry about I'm glad I didn't glad there's no one in front of me because I spat very well then. I should have kept my mask on. You feel a little bit nervous when a test was living, but you'd also be motivated to do some work. Because you wanted to advance the next level and progress in your spelling or in your maths. And so the testing of your spelling or the testing of your maths produced in you perseverance. 
because perseverance was necessary for you to pass the test and progress to the next level. Are you with me this morning? So James is saying here, the testing of my faith is necessary because it produces in me perseverance, and perseverance is important in my life because it's necessary for me to progress in my faith. See, faith isn't just a one-off event that led me to Jesus, right? I mean, faith is a life journey where my faith will be tested and challenged over and over in order that something quite remarkable can be achieved in me. And verse 4 helps us get this. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Well, finally, here's some good news. Well, that's grade 8. There's a process here. It means that our trials and our testing of our faith can be turned for our ultimate good. And if we persevere and we endure, we will end up becoming mature. I love that promise because I've been trying to do that all my life and I've just about given up on becoming mature because the older I get, the more childlike I seem to be becoming, not mature, reverting to my second childhood. And I've also discovered that getting old isn't an option, but becoming mature is. So I can cooperate with the process or I can reject the process. When I cooperate with the process, sometimes it's painful. But God wants to produce perseverance in me because he wants me to become mature before I get to 99. Perhaps I'll change that one, yeah? 109? So I've discovered that if I want to mature, many situations in my life come along when rather than bailing out too soon, and I've had enough, and I'm going to just quit it because oh, it's too much for me. I need to persevere, see it through. But how do I do that? There's a clue for us in verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work. That's interesting, eh? Perseverance has some work to do. I hadn't really thought about that before. See, God himself has put that quality of perseverance inside each one of us, and it's just often sitting dormant in there with nothing to do all day when life is plain and easy, plain sailing, and, and, it's, and it's just easy to live. You know? So perseverance is sitting in there getting bored with nothing to do, just waiting for the time when some difficulties will come and our faith is being tested. And when trouble arrives, then dis when discouragement comes, then Perseverance says, yay, I've got something to get my teeth stuck into now. And perseverance suddenly springs up into action. It stands up from the inside of us and it starts saying, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Keep going. Take another step. Don't quit. Refuse to give up. You see, surrender is not part of perseverance nature. It doesn't want to give up. So James says, let perseverance do its work. Don't stifle it. Don't stop it. Don't suppress it. Cooperate with it. Let it achieve what God designed perseverance to do in your life. I thought that was pretty good preaching, really. We've all heard of Walt Disney, right? I've never been to Disneyland, but I've, you know, I know who Walt Disney is. 
I bet you'll be interested to know that when he was young, he lost his job at the newspaper because young Walt was given the reason you can't have a job any, any longer here, mate, because you lack imagination and you've got no good ideas. Aren't you glad that Walt Disney persevered? Beethoven, one of the greatest classical composers of all time, his music teacher called him hopeless as a composer when he was young. And then he had the other disadvantage of having a terrible hearing problem which got progressively worse and by the time he wrote many of his most famous works, he was completely deaf. He persevered. In fact, it's reported to have been said that he said towards the end, I shall hear in heaven. William Wilberforce in Britain campaigned to abolish slavery in Great Britain. His bill was defeated in Parliament time after time, and for 45 years after his first attempt, just three days before he died, he heard the news that the bill had been passed to abolish slavery in Great Britain. Aren't you glad he persevered? Here in New Zealand, Dame Fina Cooper, she campaigned most of her life to have land wrongly taken from Tangata Whenua, returned back to them, and at the age of 79, she led that historic hikui from right down the length of the North Island, which led to a whole lot of turnaround in the way that settlements, land settlements were taken. She never gave up. She persevered to the age of 94, I think, when she died. See, each one of these people put into practice their God-given quality of perseverance. And aren't you glad that our son David didn't give up completely in his music? But Paul, aren't you preaching that pers perseverance and faith, every problem or trial in my life will just go away? That's triumphalism. No, I'm not. Not at all. Hebrews 12 verse 1. First word says this, therefore, Therefore, and I've discovered in the Bible when there's a therefore, we have to look back to the preceding verses to see what the therefore is there for, right? <laughs> and this first word of chapter 1, which is, sorry, chapter 12, verse 1, which is therefore, I've got to go back to chapter 11 and say, what is this therefore, therefore? And you know what chapter 11 is, right? It's the chapter of the great men and women of faith that we love. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and Moses and so on and so on and so on. But then later in the chapter, there's these verses which, which are really different in chapter 11, verse 35 to 38. It says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Really encouraging verses, those ones, aren't they? Oh, well, Paul, those ones obviously lacked faith. They must have not persevered and lacked faith. No, uh, verse 39... These were all commended for their faith. Wow! So now that we know what the therefore is, therefore in Hebrews 12 verse 1, let's read these verses in Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great 
cloud of witnesses, these witnesses are those who receive the answers through perseverance and faith in the world, and those at the end of the chapter who still by perseverance and faith did not receive what they were believing for in this world, then let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, here's that word again, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Wow. Did you catch a similarity from those verses with James, when he said to us, count it pure joy when you face trials. What does it say about Jesus? The joy set before him, he endured the cross. Man, what joy could there possibly have been in being crucified? Jesus was able to endure going to the cross, persevere going to the cross because he saw past the excruciating pain and the suffering to all that that would achieve. He saw through the cross to the joy of the salvation it would bring to all those who would believe in him, including us today. The joy of knowing lives would be changed and set free. The joy of relationship with God being restored to mankind. The joy of one day presenting us, his glorious, perfected church to his Father in glory. And the last words he cried on the cross, as you know, were, It is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. It's been achieved. Well, that's Jesus, you might say. What about us? There are two key phrases in these verses we need to play close, play, play close, play close, pay close attention to. First is in verse 3. It says, consider him. Consider him. Consider him. When life seems overwhelming and our trials seem too much to handle, consider him. The next time someone criticizes you unjustly, consider him. You know, he was called a glutton, he was called a drunk, he was called even a deceiver. The next time someone lets you down, consider him. One of his 12 disciples betrayed him, one of his closest friends denied him, and all his friends abandoned him in the garden. Next time all your hard work seems a failure, consider him. Even some of his disciples thought he had failed in his mission. Whatever you're going through this morning, and if it feels overwhelming, consider him so you can gain strength to persevere and endure. But I believe the second phrase in these verses is even more empowering than that one. Verse 2 says to us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Earlier in uh, the chapter, the, the man or woman who wrote this book, we don't know who it was, Hebrews 3 verse 1, the writer says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Jill and I like to watch a program on TV On Demand, sometimes it's called The Repair Shop. Who's seen The Repair Shop? 
a great program. People, people bring in their treasured possessions. Some of them are antiques. Some of them are just things that they have loved from childhood and they sometimes can be rare and valuable. Sometimes they've just got sentimental value, but they, they need restoring. And they bring them into these expert craftsmen and expert craftswomen to work their skills to restore them and repair them and give them back to their owners. And one woman in the repair shop, it might be Sue, I'm not sure. She's, she's got a name anyway, whatever it is. So we'll call her Sue. And um, in the repair shop, uh, Sue's one of the ladies, isn't she? Yeah, is that her? Susie's the leather lady. Oh, well, it's not her. I don't want her. I want the pottery lady. <laughs> so she, Kirsten, thank you. You must watch that quite often, Maddie. Cool. One woman called Kirsten <laughs> in the repair shop. Better Google it to make sure I haven't told another lie this morning. We've had too many already, haven't we? Um, the front row distracts you quite often, doesn't it? I. Most of them are related or <laughs> look like they could be. Yeah. <laughs> Kirsten, in the repair shop, is an expert potter. And she repairs beautiful pieces of pottery which have been broken in some way, and she cleans every piece meticulously, and sometimes she even uh, re redraws or repaints some of the bits that are missing because of how it's been damaged, and, and she does a whole lot of stuff, and, and then when it's time to reassemble the pieces back together again, she applies glue to the pieces, and she'll either push them together, or she might sometimes tapes them then when she's glued it, or, or if she can, she might clamp it in it very carefully, but she puts this glue to the, pushes them together to fix them in place, and it's, it's called, she's fixing the joint. If it's a great fix, and it's gluing well, then those bits will never fall apart again. Unless someone drops it again, of course. Some person, they're, they're glued, they're fixed, they're joined together. And so there are times in our life, and, and, and this is telling us in Hebrews, when the problems we face are so overwhelming and we, we feel we can't make it, and the only sure way to persevere in those trials in faith is to glue our eyes, to fix our eyes, to glue our thoughts, to fix our thoughts on Jesus. And then we can again feel the strength and the empowering presence of God upholding us through our situation and helping us to persevere in faith. A quick casual glance or a quick fired up prayer here and there won't do that, won't achieve it. So here on earth there are many, many times I, I know in my life we say, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And here's really something really exciting. At the end of our life, when we are taken from this earthly living to a place in eternity, our gaze will be fixed on him for all eternity. I wonder if I can have the team up now as I just draw this to a close. I don't know what trial you're facing today or what's testing your faith, but I know you'll be facing something in life. And if not today, then tomorrow or next week. But let me remind you, the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. The psalmist David realized that God was with him even when he went through the darkest valley. When the disciples were in the storm, Jesus was with them to get to the other side. Consider him. 
Whatever's happening in your life today, consider him. Whatever you're going through in your family situation or in your work situation or internally inside or something you're struggling with, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't give up on that broken relationship which you may be worrying about. Don't give up on it today. Don't give up on your loved one who's turned away from Jesus at this time. Don't give up trusting God to provide your needs. Because when God knows that when he promised to provide all our needs, there'd come a day when your financial pressure would mean you'd need to apply that to your life in faith. Whatever it is today, as your faith is being tested, fix your thoughts. Fix your eyes. Glue them on Jesus so you can persevere in faith. You might say today, Paul, I'm going through a test. My faith feels really weak. Let me remind you, God hasn't abandoned you. You're not alone. He's with you. He's in control. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And he promises to walk through it all with you. Can we close our eyes around here today? We're going to sing shortly a song, Jesus over everything, just to remind us again that he is who he says he is. Not just theoretically, but practically in our lives day by day. I don't don't know, just out there today, we'll have our eyes closed. You say, Paul, I'm going through, I am walking through a really difficult time right now. And I can't see the end and and I can't promise you the end, the answer that you want. But I think we can see today, God says, no matter what the end is, I am with you through it all. And you're saying, God, I I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to actually survive this. I I just feel I'm not coping very well at the moment. I wonder if we can today say, Lord, I want to fix my eyes on you so I can persevere, I can endure, I can walk through this. Not on my own strength, but I can do it with the strength of God and my life. If you're just in that situation, just just put your hands up where you're sitting for a moment. It's all around this room. Just for a moment, it's just you reaching out in faith. It's not you necessarily saying anything to me. It's saying, Lord, I'm choosing this morning to fix my thoughts on you, to fix my eyes on you, that I can persevere and endure in faith. Father, right now, I thank you if your Holy Spirit would work in each life in this place. Lord, you know their hearts, you know their need. And our greatest need, Lord, is to know more and more of you in these days, in these troubled times we live. We thank you, you've promised to be with us. That it's not just a wishful thought that we have, but it's your promise of your presence and your strength in our lives to endure. Lord, I pray for those today that have broken relationships, particularly this morning, that have felt there's no hope in ever restoring or reconciling. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray you give them perseverance to endure in faith. Not give up. Not give up on the loved one who's walked away from you at this time. Not give up to see your provision come. Not give up. And Father, that perseverance that you've given them in their lives would rise again. Do its job. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.